Christ also, Lord, just help me to speak clearly. Give me the words to say, and uh, just, I, I just thank you. In your name we pray, amen. So if I ask this question to all of us here in this room, and I say, are you tough? Are you tough? And some of you probably are looking at me like, yeah, I'll show you how tough I am. <laughs> let's, let's go outside, and, and, and we'll, 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 we'll throw a few, go a few rounds. I'll show you how tough. And there's others of you that are probably in this room that's saying, you know, I can't even hurt a flea. When I see a spider or, or a miller, a moth, you know, I, I can't even kill it. And those, are, those are nasty little things. But I, I take it outside, I catch it, delicately catch it, and I put it outside because I just can't harm it. So I'm not tough at all. And so when we think of, of being tough, we might think of someone that's just that's a bully, someone that's just rough and kind of a violent person. And I, you know, think back at high school, like I had lots of people that were kind of friends of mine that were like that, that were the bullies, and they just weren't really nice people. And then maybe we think of tough as being strong enough to withstand adverse conditions, tough enough that, you know, fall is, is here and it's soon going to be wintertime, and you know what that means. It's going to, there's going to be winter storms. It's going to be cold outside. And so we're going to want a coat that is tough enough to keep us both warm and dry and some gloves. So tough like that, that it, it can endure s it's just really bad conditions. There's also tough can endure hardship and tough and endure pain. So today, this passage out of Colossians we're going to look at is, I think Paul is, is going to say that, you know what, you're all tough enough. You're all tough enough to do this. So yes, even Connie in the back there, she's, she's tough. Connie's tough. She is tougher than you all you guys think. Now, we, we've heard this phrase, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. That's something that I think we probably heard when we were, we're very young, and we've heard it most of our lives. So Paul is in prison. Remember, I, I, I keep saying this, Paul is in prison. In this prison, it, it could be a prison such as, as this. This was a prison that is described at in, in Roman times as it was actually an underneath the the ground and it was a room underneath another room and so that to get to the very bottom room there was a small hole in the room that you had to climb down into to get to the lowest part of the prison and it was actually described as nothing more than really a sewage tank so that phrase of like it goes downhill it literally it goes downhill so it would be like a sewage tank so I I think that sounds like it's it's a those are pretty tough conditions to live in, not something that that I would really want to live in or or desire to live in. It, it, his his living circumstances were tough. So let's look at begin looking at this at first at Colossians one starting in verse twenty four. It says, "Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions." For the sake of his body, which is the church. I want to just address this, 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 for because this is kind of a confusing, confusing statement that Paul makes. And I, as I mentioned, the, the, these are tough conditions that Paul is living in. And uh, remember before, if, if, you've, if you've read your Bible or you know your Bible, I'm just going to tell you also that Paul has been stoned before. He's been left for dead. Paul has been beaten many, many times. In fact, when he's in prison, he's probably also beaten at times too. 
And yet we read here, Paul is saying he's rejoicing. So when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Paul is getting going. And yet Paul is writing these letters to these churches. He's, he's encouraging them. He's spreading to say, you can do this. Spread, helping to spread this message of the gospel, encouraging these churches. When I look at this and I think, Paul, like, you're in prison, dude. Like, you probably need to be encouraged. But yet, here you are. You're, you're being tough. You're encouraging others. Paul is rejoicing. So I wonder, how can that be? How can you, how can you possibly be rejoicing when you're in that circumstances? So maybe if I put it like this. So some of us in this room are parents. Or if you're not, just think of, of someone that's really, really close to you. And so... If your child was diagnosed with a terminal illness, and that illness was one that the doctor said, you know, there's the, your, your child's not going to survive. Your child's not going to live. Unless you, as the parent, you as the parent can go through this procedure that as you go through this procedure, like the procedure is going to be really, really painful. The procedure is also going to leave you in a state that you're going to have pain for the rest of your life. But if you do this, you sign up for this, your child's going to live. And I think most of our parents are just going to say, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that so my child is going to live. And in fact, you're probably going to even rejoice knowing that, yeah, I've got to deal with this pain my entire life, but my child is going to live. And so Paul is saying, you know what? I'm willing to endure this hardship. I'm willing to endure all of this suffering, all of this pain, so that I can contribute and I can give this information and write these letters to this church so this message of giving of the gospel can continue to spread and that people will receive life. I think that's why Paul said, yeah, that's what I'm going to do here. Now there's another part of this that says, when Paul says, I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now Paul is not saying that I'm going to endure these hardships. I'm going to endure all of this because when Jesus died and he suffered and he all these afflictions around Jesus, like that that wasn't enough. He, he's, he's not saying that, no, Jesus, there was, there wasn't, there's not, there's not anything lacking. When Jesus gave his life on the cross to die for us, to give us life. He's not saying that. But what he's saying, I think maybe what he's saying is, is that when we see something with our own eyes, isn't it easier to believe it? Now, if I came in here today and I told you a story of just like some miraculous thing that you go, that is absolutely impossible. And I told you that story. But if one of you was with me and we both saw it, wouldn't you maybe see it easier to believe because you actually saw it with your own eyes? So I'm going to maybe propose that Paul is saying, the church, Church of Colossae, church in this building, when you didn't, we didn't see Jesus with our own eyes. We didn't see him. So you, you, you didn't see with your own eyes what Jesus endured for you, for all of us. When we see this suffering with our own eyes, it, it kind of pulls at our heart a little bit more. And when we just read it, we might not appreciate it as much. Because it doesn't have the same impact that if we... If we we actually heard it because we didn't hear it. We didn't hear the noise of Jesus being beaten. We didn't hear that noise. We didn't hear his groans. 
We didn't hear his screams of pain. We didn't see it. We didn't see his flesh of Jesus being torn. We didn't see the blood coming from Jesus. We didn't see even when he was whipped, the, probably the, the flesh flying from his body. We didn't see the nails being nailed to, through his hands and through his feet. We didn't see that. We didn't smell it. We didn't smell There's probably a smell of blood. Probably because this was crucifixion was a common practice, we probably didn't smell the rotting flesh. We didn't smell the sweat. We didn't taste it. Kind of get the idea. Like we weren't there. All of those experiences of what Jesus endured for us. And Paul might be saying, seeing this firsthand, what Paul is enduring, we can relate to it better. We can accept what Jesus did for us, what Jesus endured for us, and accept the truth to believe and receive life. Paul doing whatever it's going to take, whatever he needs to do so that this message of the gospel is continues to spread. Now, we've, we can probably think in our lives of stories that we've heard of people that have endured great loss or have endured pain, endured lots of things for, for the gospel. And how knowing them personally, like it just, it does something in us that we go, man, I, this is for real. Like this guy's willing to do this. You know, growing up, you can think of, of Mother Teresa was one, like the, the, the way she lived and, and just the stories about her, you go, wow. And it pulls at your heart. It makes you believe that, yeah, this, this God, this Jesus, this is for real. And we have friends that have done mission. Like we probably have friend, friends that have done missions, and, and we hear their stories. And there's probably people in this room that I know could probably tell some stories of, of that there's some suffering and some pain of them standing up for the gospel for for what they believe and they're experiencing hardships and it just it doesn't it helps us believe now i'm not don't get me wrong i'm not minimizing at all what jesus did for us i'm just saying it sometimes i think it only helps us to see what jesus really did for us to accept to believe and put our faith in when we actually see something with our own eyes Let's move on to starting in verse 25. I become its servant by the commission God, ga God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have, been met, who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So Paul is affirming the church again of who Christ is. He's affirming 
what, what he's now calling this mystery. This, this mystery that's, that's being revealed to both Jewish people and to, Gentile pe- to Gentiles. The, the mystery of Jesus. This mystery of, of Christ living in us. Christ living in us with the power of the Spirit. That there's this hope of eternal life that we have with Jesus. The mystery that it's, it's Jesus alone. It's Jesus alone through the Spirit that gives us this wisdom and this understanding. There's not anything else, not anybody else. So I'm going to ask this question, like, who makes you tough? Because Paul's, I, th- I think Paul was pretty darn tough. I think he was a pretty tough dude. So how did he get that tough? How did he get that way? What sustains him? Now I, I think of, I think of movies like action movies. There's tough guys in those movies. I think of, of like The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, some of his movies that he's in. He plays this tough guy. Or um, Scarlett Johansson from The Avengers. She plays, you know, she's a pretty tough character. Black Widow in those movies. And then Rocky. Rocky, like, he's, he's a pretty tough dude. Sylvester Stallone. So all of these, these actors and actresses portray these tough people. But in the Rocky movies, if you've seen them, like, Rocky always... It shows he, he, he fights this fight and he gets just the tar beat out of him. And you go, how is this guy even still alive? And then they show the process of he gets a rematch with whoever he's going to fight or he fights somebody else. And he goes through this process of training where he gets tough. He gets tough. Like he gets sculpted and he's just, and then at the end he fights this person that's just like this unstoppable opponent. And he, again, is so tough that he gets beat up again, but he wins. He goes through this battle. But all of these movies of toughness, of people being tough, this toughness comes from within the character that they play. It comes from within themselves. It's a person themselves making them tough. But Paul, I think, is going, hold on. Just, just, just hold on here a minute. It's not Paul's strength. It's not my strength that's making him tough it's God it's God that makes him tough it's God's power we see that in verse 29 it says to this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me it's not my strength it's God's strength in me Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me now this week I was talking to somebody just about some things that, that God would put on my heart and just where I think God was leading. And, and I was saying, like, these are things that I don't, I don't want to do this. I didn't ask for this. I never set out. I'm not even, I, there's no way I'm not even qualified for this. I never thought I'd do that, but here I am talking to this person about this and saying, you know, I think this is just something that, that maybe God's leading me to do. Was it my strength? In fact, it was a weakness a weakness and and it's something that I'd rather just kind of hide and put back there and not even want to have it be part of me but kind of telling us and it's it's only through God that I'm going to be able to do this it's only by God providing me energy providing me strength to be able to tackle what what was kind of being what was being put in front of me and even those weaknesses God can use those weaknesses he can take those weaknesses and turn them into strengths by putting strength in me, by putting strength in you. 
like even just being up here right now, this is nothing I ever set out to do. This is not, not what I asked for. But God thought it was a good idea, so he put me up here today. And that's why if you notice, when I pr- get up here to pray, like I frequently say, or almost every week, I say, God, give me the words to speak. Because it's not me. It's God giving me the strength to do this. Because if it was me, I'd, I'd, I'd be in the back there with Kenny and Josh. That's where I'd be. But it's God who strengthens me. So who strengthens you? When the, t- when the going gets tough, you get going. Let's say, get tough. Get going. God will strengthen you. That's where our strength comes. It doesn't come from us. It comes from God. And I might be the strongest person in the world, like that strongman competition. You know, those guys are strong. They're with those big, huge, giant boulders, and they put them up on this thing, and they get bigger and bigger. And those, man, those dudes are strong. But when it comes to strength, they're nothing compared to God. Because I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. So we can all be tough. We can all be strong. Jesus gives us that strength. So there's some things of, well, how are we tough? How are we, how, how do we, what are ways of being tough? So I think we can be physically tough. Those things like Paul, when he's beaten, when he's stoned, I'm pretty sure that, that he endured physical pain. I'm pretty sure if someone stoned me up here, like I, I'm, I think it would hurt. When he's in prison, I, I think that's probably there's going to be times where he's going to hurt. Jesus, just imagine what Jesus went through. There was a lot of intense physical pain there. But then we have pain also, don't we? We have some pain at times. Now, I, I, I want to give you an example of uh, a runner's high. You guys heard of a runner's high? So that's something that when you run, a runner reaches a certain state where there's just like this euphoria. There's this just this state of being just joy and delight. Like you're in so much pain, but like you, you feel good about it. Like you rejoice, like Paul says. You don't feel pain. You don't feel stress. You don't feel anxiety. You don't feel weakness. Now, we can also achieve this through artificial means. There's street drugs and prescription medications that we can kind of cheat the system and do this. But to do it naturally, when we exert ourselves and I'm guilty of this because I would exert myself running to the point where I was in complete physical exhaustion just to get this endorphin rush, just to get this runner's high. Where you can't feel any, you can't really, you just don't feel like you can go any further. You're in pain, but then your body releases this rush of endorphins, these, these natural painkillers that the body produces, that, that they reduce the pain, and they give us this feeling of joy, this feeling of pleasure, this feeling of satisfaction. Now, you might be sitting there scratching your head going, okay, I just described how I physically can induce this physical toughness in me, this, this, this feeling of rejoicing. That's not what I'm doing. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm doing is explaining how God made us in his image and how God is the one that created all of us and how God can make us physically tough even though we shouldn't be able to continue what we're doing. Really, how wonderfully we're made. How wonderfully we're made. And how, last week I said that Jesus was there at creation. Jesus created us. 
Jesus created us with this physical toughness that only comes from his design for us. And it tells us how Paul can be beaten, how he can be stoned, put in prison, and endure all sorts of pain, all sorts of physical pain, and continue to be tough. Continue to be tough so that he can continue to do the work that God gave him, the work that was given to him of spreading the message of the gospel, both to Jews and the Gentiles. It's toughness that tomorrow morning, if you're like me, like I got physical pain every morning I wake up. I got physical pain and I physically hurt. But then, Nancy and Mike aren't in here today, but they don't know. I have no idea I was going to talk about them. But I think of Nancy and Mike. And for you that don't know Nancy, Nancy's over in the nursery probably right now. But there's this little boy. He's about this big, three, about three years old, four years old maybe. This is the second one I've seen. But they take this, these little, these little kids in. They're their great grandchildren, and they raise them as their own children. They raise them as that. And and now, I'm a lot younger than them, and I am like going, my kids are just finally out of the house. Like it's, yeah, because I'm tired, and I can't imagine had taking this little three to five year old into your house, raising them and caring for them as as their own. That's exactly what Nancy and Mike do. Not to mention the time and energy that Nancy puts into the nursery. Now, that's some physical toughness. And I think that's some physical strength that only comes from God providing that in them. That, that God does it and puts that in Nancy and Mike and allows them to be able to keep up with those kids because I don't know if I could. To be physically tough now, part of being tough is also we need to be mentally tough. We need to be mentally tough. I, you know, Paul, I think of it. Like if he's in prison, he's in a hole underneath a hole that's described as a, a sewage tank. I, would, I think I would need to be mentally tough with, without going, going a little, little, well, we've heard the term cabin fever, a little stir crazy. Because when we're locked up for long periods of time, like in, in, in winter, which is coming, and some people, this happens somewhere, you just get, get kind of irritable, you get kind of restless, you get depressed, you get crazy. Think of the movie The Shining. It's kind of what the premise of that is. COVID. I'm sure there's going to be a new term called COVID fever. People locked up. In fact, I just heard, and I don't, I, I think this is accurate, but I, I, as of today, I think Australia has been in lockdown for 264 days. Could you imagine? Now, those people are probably about to lose it, be locked down. But at the beginning, remember I said Paul was rejoicing. How could that be possible? How could that be possible? Unless it was the Spirit of God that that was making them mentally tough. Now there's this, I, I used a, used a, like the message or the, the translation of Romans 12 too. But, and it says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Again, making us mentally tough because God can like, change the way we think, making us tougher. Now, 
example of how that works is when you go to bed at night, there's times when I think people will all go to bed, they'll be thinking about something, and then you wake up in the morning and you've got the answer. Because God made us that way to, like, our brain still keeps working at night, trying to solve that problem. In fact, if there's many times at night I'll be on my phone and I'll be kind of typing something or I'll be writing something down and kind of go, what are you doing? She's kind of stopped asking, but like I'll go to bed with something and God will put something in my head and, and I just get up and write it down or I, I take a note of it. And part of that's just because I'm, man, I'm getting older and so I don't remember things as well. So by the morning I won't remember. But God's renewing my mind. He's, he's making my thoughts. He's, he's taking those and, and, and giving me answers, making me mentally tough. Now there's a verse out of 2 Corinthians 10.5 says where it says we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We don't let those things in our mind run away from themselves either. We don't create something that isn't true. We don't create something that somebody said something and our thoughts just go crazy and we go to this worst case scenario and that's not at all what that person says. That we become mentally tough. That in the name of Jesus we go, okay, that thought you need to behave. You need to behave. And no, we're not going to go there. We're going to be mentally tough. Now, there's something else with this mentally toughness that I want to talk about. That mentally tough, that we're mentally tough, mentally strong enough to, when somebody challenges us and someone says that, that oh, that's not true. Like the Gnostics were saying in, in this time to the, the Colossians, they're saying, you know, I don't know about this Jesus of yours. That that we are mentally tough enough to, to be able to give an answer to that, to be strong enough to, to stand up to that, that our, that our faith in alone in Jesus is how we're reconciled, of how we restore this relationship with God and receive life. Paul is, is in this verse, he's saying, he, one of his goals is for us to have the full riches of complete understanding. And we have all this wisdom and knowledge that we have in Christ. So, why does Paul want this for us? He wants this so that when we find, this is another line in this, when those fine-sounding arguments, those arguments like maybe someone will say, you know what, your God's not real. Your God's not real. Like, you can't even see your God. He's not real. Well, what about Romans 1.20? We're mentally tough, and we know this. It says, forever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invincible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. That we're mentally tough enough to give responses to people. That we're mentally tough enough that we're going to give them responses gently. We're going to say it in love. We're going to present to them this mystery of Christ that Paul's talking about. This mystery that really makes no sense to them makes no sense to them. Things like, also another example of that is like, how could a God send his son to die? That doesn't make any sense. A God that would let bad things happen in this world. That's a mystery to people. But what about a God that loves us so much that he sent his only son to die for us, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life? Sound familiar? that verse sound familiar? John 3.16. That we're mentally tough enough to, we don't deviate who our Savior is. 
we don't, we're meant to be faithful. We don't do this. We don't listen for that. And, and we're able to, 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 to be tough enough to, to love that person in spite of that and also provide them information. We're, we don't deviate from our Savior named Jesus. Now, this next toughness I want to talk about is really, this is what makes us physically tough and mentally tough. This is what makes it happen. This is how it all happens. This is we need to be spiritually tough. Because when we, we try to be physically tough, when we try to be mentally tough, we can only do it for so long by ourselves, can't we? Eventually, it just we run out of, of whatever that is, and we crash. Now, we can only sustain this for so long by ourselves. Because eventually those endorphins are going to run out. Eventually all that self-pep talk, all that positive thinking, well, it just stops working. And then we end up in a puddle on the floor like, or the other way around crying. Just, we, we, we can't do this anymore. So how do we remain tough? By being spiritually tough. Jesus, these are Jesus' words in John 14, verses 15 through 17. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. It's the spirit in us. It's the spirit in us that makes us spiritually tough. Toughness that's always going to be with us, it's never going to leave us. So we have this helper, this helper that is, that, that is the essence of God, that is God, that is the essence of Jesus, that is Jesus. We have the spirit. Now there's a fancy word for that that maybe we've all heard, this term called the triune God or the Trinity, where they say it's the Father, Son, and Spirit. And they're all equal equal and they're all still one it's not three separate gods and that's a mystery too that's a mystery that that's that's hard to understand that's hard to comprehend i i have a hard time understanding how that all works but again this this person that paul describes in verse 29 with all the energy christ so powerfully works in me that's the spirit that's what the spirit is doing the spirit's making paul tough so tough that he can endure everything that he's going through and, and still say that he's rejoicing by the work of the Spirit in Paul. Now in Mark 1.8, this is John the Baptist talking about Jesus. He says, I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then 1 Corinthians 12.13 tells us, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Then Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 5. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The spirit gives us this spiritual toughness. The spirit sustains us. The spirit comforts us. The spirit gives us joy. The spirit guides us. Now, this is not an exhaustive list of what the Spirit does in us. The Spirit does so much more in our lives. But it's a helper that was sent to all of us 
Did the other single one of us that believed? Now, let's try to wrap this all up and kind of bring this all together. Now, Paul, we could look at this and say, Paul's going, oh, look at me. Look at me now. Look how, look how tough I am. Look at what all I'm doing for you. Tooting his own horn. Saying, look how much I suffer for you. The least you could do is listen to me. The least you could do is this. But he's not being prideful. He's encouraging the church. He's encouraging this church of Colossae. encouraging us that you're, you're going to be tough enough to face what's happening to you. You're, you're going to be able to do this. You're going to get through this. Saying, you know what, be physically tough, be mentally tough, but be spiritually tough. Let the Spirit fill you. Let it sustain you. Spiritual strength that comes from the Spirit dwelling in us. Saying, stay strong. Stay firm in your faith in Jesus and allow the Spirit to work in you as it does in me, as it does in Paul, is what he's saying. Now, at the conference a couple weeks ago, there was this story that... that, um, one of the leaders, he kept saying over and over again, and then when I first heard it, I was like, yeah, that's kind of a cute little story. That's nice. You know, I didn't really pay that much attention to the very beginning of it. Um, but when I was writing this, I was like, man, that, that story applies to this. And so I'm going to, as I remember the beginning part of it, um, tell you that story. But it's, it's he says this, is that, okay, so the Father who is God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are almost up in heaven, they're just kind of present, and they're looking at earth, they're looking at, at, at us, looking at creation, and they're going, man, what a mess. What a disaster. What, what, what can we ever do about this? Is there anything we can do to fix this? Is there anything we can do to help? Well, Jesus, being Jesus, goes and says, you know what? I'll go go. Knowing that when he goes, the only way to fix this is he's got to die for us. He's got to give his life. So the father says, you know what, son, I'll send you. And then the Holy Spirit says, and I'll sustain you. Because that's what the Spirit does for us also. It's the Spirit sustaining us. So that phrase when it says when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Maybe we could change that to, to say when the going gets tough, the spirit gets going. The spirit get going gets going who sustains us. So then we get going. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for I, th- I thank you for sending your son for us. Thank you for sending your son for us to die for us.